0: Hello, this is Dean Hess, Managing Editor of Respiratory Care. We are pleased that this month's podcast is sponsored by Massimo. Massimo is helping clinicians and care teams provide excellent care for their patients, both in the hospital and at home. With advanced monitoring parameters and powerful connectivity tools, Massimo offers a range of hospital and home-based solutions designed to support chronic care management, surge capacity efforts, and more. Whether inside or beyond the hospital, Massimo's remote monitoring solutions and hospital automation platform help providers seamlessly manage multiple patients simultaneously, providing data to help them identify when intervention may be required. Visit Massimo.com to learn more. And now let's hear what's in the February issue of the journal. Hello,
1: and welcome to the February 2022 Respiratory Care's Editor's Commentary and Podcast. I'm Rich Branson, Editor-in-Chief of Respiratory Care. This month's Editor's Choice reviews the importance of humidification during mechanical ventilation in patients with COVID-19. Lavoy, berard and colleagues compared physiologic variables and adverse outcomes in subjects with COVID-19 using heated humidifiers with heated wire circuits versus heat and moisture exchangers. In a small sample of subjects, the HME subjects had higher arterial carbon dioxide despite higher minute ventilation, something that's no surprise given the added dead space. Surprisingly though, 3 of 14 subjects using heated humidifiers experienced endotracheal tube occlusion. They found that alteration of care sites for infection control during COVID-19 surges increased ambient temperatures, impacting heated humidifier efficiency. Following alterations in the maximum heater plate temperature, no further occlusions were seen in patients using heated humidifiers. The accompanying editorial by Branson reviews the performance of humidification devices, the mechanical factors impacting ventilation, and the unique issues associated with COVID-19. There have been a plethora of papers about increased risk of endotracheal tube occlusion during COVID-19, which may be related to high minute ventilation, the changes in the ambient temperature, increased mucus production, as well as sloughing of the tracheobronchial mucosa that's been reported by several authors. Vines et al. studied a tool to predict postoperative pulmonary complications and guide allocation of respiratory care procedures. The authors performed a retrospective review of non-intubated subjects in the Surgical Intensive Care Unit over a seven-month time frame. They created the RAT, the Respiratory assessment and Allocation of Therapy tool. The RAT tool includes the presence of respiratory distress, chest radiograph findings, oxygen requirements, cough, breath sounds, and slow vital capacity. Each variable can be scored from 0 to 10 in increments of 5. An initial or second score of greater than 10 was associated with the need for positive pressure ventilation. They concluded that the RAT scoring tool demonstrated an association with the need for positive pressure ventilation using modifiable factors and appeared to provide a quantitative method of determining if allocated respiratory therapy was effective. In some ways, this study falls short of achieving the objective because it's a retrospective data, not prospective data collection. Jamie Stoller opines that determining respiratory care allocation, the right care to the right patient at the right time, is the holy grail of respiratory care. He reviews his long experience with respiratory care protocols and emphasizes the principles of protocol development and implementation. Jamie suggests that training the therapist ahead of time in the use of the tool is critical for the successful application. Toffic and others compared equations for determining power delivery during mechanical ventilation. In this bench study, they found that simplified estimates using airway pressure measurements that are routinely recorded were good estimates of mechanical power. Importantly, these measurements must be made during passive ventilation. Their results suggest that power could be measured and tracked within the ventilator and without additional maneuvers or measures. Damiani provides commentary describing the importance of power or energy transformation on the development of ventilator-induced lung injury and patient outcomes. Then did Al evaluated the soft geo pressure measurements in obese and non obese subjects from an existing data set. They found that the average end expiratory pressure, a soft pressure, was higher in the obesity group by two centimeters of water pressure. They compared PEEP settings in the obesity group to the tables from the epvent two trial of a soft pressure guided, guided PEEP titration. The empirically derived PEEP setting was significantly lower than that which would have been suggested by the tables to maintain Uh, positive esophageal pressure at end expiration. They concluded that setting PEEP in obese patients should use esophageal pressure measurements. Rose and colleagues performed a retrospective analysis of subjects using mechanical insufflation, exsufflation at home. They compared healthcare utilization before and after MIE implementation. Following MIE use, subjects required fewer hospital days, although there were no differences in emergency room visits or hospital admissions. The use of mechanical insufflation exsufflation was associated with reduced acute care costs but increased home care costs. This was associated with uh, the training and follow up of patients in the home using these devices. Gianni Adell described the use of high dose inhaled nitric oxide delivered using compressed gas cylinders and a system that uses an electric generator creating nitric oxide from air. Inhaled nitric oxide was delivered at 160 parts per million to healthcare providers, 15 minutes daily, twice a day over 14 days. INO has potential antiviral effects, and the hypothesis was that caregivers treated with inhaled nitric oxide might have a reduced incidence of developing COVID-19. 12 healthcare workers received 185 doses of inhaled nitric oxide with both delivery methods and demonstrated similar impact on methemoglobin, oxygen saturation, and heart, root, heart rate. The authors concluded that both methods were safe for high dose delivery of INO. Unfortunately, or fortunately because the caseload started to fall with vaccinations and better understanding and treatment, the study was ended before they could find out if there was any impact of breathing nitric oxide on um, development of COVID-19 in those subjects. Bellin and colleagues performed a retrospective case control study of tracheostomy decannulation in subjects with chronic disorders of consciousness. They found that improvements in the level of consciousness as measured by the revised coma recovery score increased the chance of successful decannulation. However, they noted that some subjects in a persistent vegetative state could be successfully decannulated. Failure to improve consciousness and continued tracheostomy, of course, were associated with mortality. Creamy and co-workers provide a narrative review on high-flow nasal cannula use in subjects with COVID-19. This review covers the rationale, benefits, and risks for high-flow nasal cannula use. Clearly, the concerns of high-flow nasal cannula creating fugitive aerosols have been put to rest, according to the authors. High-flow nasal cannula remains a first-line treatment for the treatment of moderate hypoxemia in COVID-19. Saha et al. provide a systematic review of the use of bronchoscopy in COVID-19. They found that bronchoscopy often results in a significant change in patient management and that the transmission of SARS-CoV-2 appears to be low with consistent use of appropriate personal protective equipment. Lipnick and co-authors provide a special article on the impact of skin color on pulse oximetry accuracy, a topic of recent intense discussion in the lay press. These authors describe the well-known phenomenon and discuss correction of this issue as part of a system to reduce racial inequities. Dr. Lipnick is part of the hypoxia lab at the University of California at San Francisco, where they study pulse oximeters and have been studying the effects of high altitude and hypoxemia on subjects for decades and are well versed in this area. Blakeman and others provide an AARC clinical practice guideline on suctioning the artificial airway. This is an update to a previous guideline the new guideline using the RAND UCLA appropriateness method. This guideline covers neonates to adults. We appreciate you subscribing to the respiratory Care Podcast and look forward to seeing you for the rest of 2022. To receive the content of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues.